0: With the country reopening, many parents are wondering what to expect at primary care offices and hospitals, and how telehealth may benefit their children. Joining me today to discuss safety protocols at Stanford Children's Health is Dr. Denny Lund. He's the Elizabeth Wood Dunleavy Professor, Chief Medical Officer and Professor of Surgery at Lucille Packard Children's Hospital Stanford, and the Associate Dean of the Faculty for Pediatrics and Obstetrics, Stanford University School of Medicine. Also joining me is Dr. Grace Lee, Associate Chief Medical Officer for Practice Innovation, professor of pediatrics at Stanford University School of Medicine, and a pediatric infectious diseases physician. This special podcast is brought to you by Stanford Children's Health. I'm Scott Webb. So doctors, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm going to start with you today, Dr. Lund. How have you and your team been evolving care for your patients during the pandemic? What's been happening as far as well visits and in-person visits during this interesting period?
1: So this has been a very uncertain time and uh, during this COVID pandemic, we initially were instructed by the state and county governments and very honestly just prudence to decrease our amount of clinical activity to avoid the exposure of patients and healthcare workers uh, to the potential of COVID-19 infection. So we started a process actually of decreasing in-person visits and in-person what we consider elective care fairly drastically, although I do want to say there's really no elective care in children. Uh, we don't do you know, elective plastic surgery, uh, cosmetic surgery in children, things like that. Uh, And the things that can be put off safely, like maybe a little bit of a wait to get a vaccination, although vaccination should not be put off indefinitely, uh, was something that we we backed away from. That led to about a 60% decrease in the amount of surgical care that we were providing in the hospital. We continued to do all kinds of urgent and emergent operations, but things that could be scheduled or delayed safely without adversely impacting a child's outcome were delayed. Clearly, things have changed now and we're in the process of now trying to ramp up again. In the meantime, we've done all kinds of work around making sure that we have enough protective personal equipment or PPE uh, for our healthcare givers and for patients. And we've also been able to ramp up the amount of testing uh, that we can do not only for, for patients and for healthcare workers, because that's important to uh, allow patients to understand that the hospital's a safe place to be. So after about six weeks of re- reduced medical capacity, we've now started ramping back up inpatient visits. One of the things that we did in the in the meantime, and it's probably one of the good things that will come out of the COVID-19 pandemic is that we've really implemented uh, telehealth very actively. And we've gone from doing about 25 or 30 telehealth visits a day in our system to doing over 800 uh, a day. And patients have actually found that to be quite reassuring, they can see their doctors, they can see their doctor's face, and they can get the care they need uh, without having to come long distances or come and be exposed to people in the hospital. So we want to continue to keep that uh, telehealth part of healthcare going strong in, in the future, uh, but in the meantime, it's now necessary to bring up some of the in-person visits again. And we're doing that really with a careful eye on making sure that our uh, healthcare care workers have plenty of PPE, our families have PPE and testing as needed.
0: So, Dr. Lee, as offices open back up, how can a parent not worry about those in-person visits? What are the current safety protocols?
2: Just to reiterate what Dr. Lund mentioned, Stanford Children's Health does provide all critical services and all essential services for our patients. So in addition to ensuring that our patients have access to critical procedures that have been delayed or deferred, we want to make sure that our kids also have access to all essential services. And those include things, as Dr. Lund mentioned, such as keeping children up to date on their vaccines, managing chronic conditions such as diabetes, inflammatory bowel disease, and congenital heart disease, and providing necessary care for children with cancer cancer, transplants, or other immune-compromised patients. In addition, we have a really wonderful obstetric service and we're continuing to ensure that the moms who deliver here at Stanford Children's Health are cared for in the highest quality manner as well as in the safest way possible. We really do have very few elective services. So you asked about how um, uh, parents can not worry about an in-person visit. I would say that safe health care has been so important to Stanford Children's Health overall. From very early on, we've implemented protocols to ensure the safety of our patients, our families, our providers, and our staff. Just a few examples of how we keep our facilities safe. Uh, we do routine symptom screening of all patients and family members before coming in, and routine symptom screening of all healthcare care providers and staff working in our facilities. We've had visitor restrictions in place in order to ensure that we're um, minimizing exposure to um, individuals, both for our families and uh, patients, as well as our providers and staff. In order to prevent spread within the facility, we of course recommend universal masking for all of our providers and our patients as Dr. Lund had mentioned and this predated the uh, county order to start universal masking in the community. Um, Telerounding and telehealth visits have been uh, hugely helpful and and it has been a really wonderful addition to the way we deliver care. We have already in the past been doing a substantial portion of telehealth visits and I would say Stanford Children's Health has been at the forefront of that. really just um, enabled our ability to implement and scale up rapidly across the institution, both for inpatient visits and outpatient care. Uh, We've done things such as change workflows throughout our hospitals and our ambulatory clinics in order to minimize um, contact between patients. Um, And then importantly, in order to ensure, again, that we're providing high quality and safe care, we've been cohorting COVID positive or persons under investigation patients, um, making sure that we have separate workflows to care for those patients. Uh, We test all admitted patients, all patients before a procedure, any laboring moms, patients who have COVID-associated symptoms, or patients with known COVID exposure. So our testing capacity at Stanford and our turnaround time has allowed us to identify COVID patients early to ensure the safety, again, of all our patients, families, providers, and staff. I will just mention a few numbers, if that's okay. To date, nearly 13,000 employees across Stanford Medicine, including Stanford Children's Health, have been tested. And- Amongst those staff and providers tested, only 0.3% of asymptomatic people have been positive for COVID-19. The data shows the measures we've been taking to slow the spread of the virus have been incredibly effective. In addition, we've tested nearly 5,000 patients at Stanford Children's Health. And again, amongst those patients... Those children who are asymptomatic at the time of presentation, we've only had a 0.3% positivity rate versus for patients who are symptomatic, it's at about 2.5%.
0: Dr. Lund, anything to add when we talk about safety protocols and everything that you all are doing? Anything you want to add to this?
1: I think it's really important, though, for people to understand that actually the hospital is a safer place uh, by all our testing criteria than the outside world. There have been uh, reports that, you know, the COVID positive rate in the outside world is somewhere around 7% or 10%, depending on where you look. But in the hospital, the rate amongst healthcare workers and even amongst our symptomatic patients has been extremely low. And I think patients can kind of take heart uh, in that. Yeah,
0: agreed. I, I think we're you know hearing stories from across the country of people who have not gone to the hospital when they've been experiencing strokes, other emergent conditions, or even for fear of COVID nineteen. And uh, the reality is that there's no safer place than the hospital. That's where the doctors are, and the nurses, and the medicine, and the PPE, and the testing, and all of that. You're so right. So, Doctor Lee, what are pediatricians recommending now to make sure our kids are up to date on vaccines? You know, well visits can be telehealth, of course. Uh, but vaccines not so much. So where are we at with that?
2: So Stanford Children's Health has a robust uh, set of primary care practices that are delivering really essential care to the children that we serve. It's really important that we continue to vaccinate children in the context of the pandemic, and particularly as social distancing requirements are relaxed over the coming weeks. You know, our practices are here to serve uh, our children and families, and we really encourage parents to talk to your pediatrician about rescheduling these important visits. Of course, telehealth will continue to be provided for all those visits where those services can be delivered via telehealth. But it really is important for our children to stay up to date on vaccines. Uh, We're seeing across the U.S. that millions of children are going under-vaccinated during a time when we want to ensure that we're preventing both COVID illness as well as routine childhood illnesses. So anything we can do, again, to prevent infection in our children is really important and essential for part of the care that we deliver.
0: So Dr. Lund, how have you been utilizing telehealth to bridge that gap for parents, you know, that have questions and concerns for their pediatricians? We've touched on it a little bit, but maybe you can speak specifically about those telehealth visits.
1: So one of the things we're working on is actually algorithms or, or ways to alternate uh, telehealth visits with in-person visits. So, for example, a busy doctor may see uh, one patient in the office and then do two telehealth visits or some you know ratio like that so that um, the waiting rooms can stay empty, patients who come to the clinic can be immediately put into a room, again, so they're not exposed uh, to a large number of other, other people. The telehealth part of the equation has been very interesting because as Dr. Lee mentioned, we've been working on telehealth solutions here at Stanford Children's Health for quite a while and actually have a very good system in place so that we can provide telehealth to families from their home computers, from their iPads or their tablets uh, or other digital devices. And on the doctor's side of it, he or she can actually see the child and the parent right from within the medical record, so the documentation can be going on at the same time as the visit. Now, one of the limitations of a telehealth visit is it's hard to do a physical examination uh, to some degree, although there are aspects of the physical examination that can be done over, over telehealth. And again, one of the interesting things we've discovered is that telehealth actually works extremely good for mental health services, and it also works extremely well for physical therapy because a physical therapist can help a child work through their physical therapy routine while they're watching them on a TV screen or or an iPad screen uh, rather than seeing them in person. So again, this is a new uh, application of technology that we're going to get used to, and I think it's here to stay.
0: Dr. Lee, for children who have chronic medical conditions, is there any different protocol for those families that have to come in?
2: So we are here and available to care for all children with chronic medical conditions. You know, our healthcare system is ready to rapidly detect and respond to any increases of COVID-19 cases in the community. We have robust infection control programs in place, including available PPE or personal protective equipment to ensure we can provide safe and reliable health care. In addition, of course, as Dr. Lund mentioned, we have telehealth services available to provide care to those children who we can maintain through telehealth visits. Um, however, we do want to highlight that you know, deferral of care can result in patient harms and that the impact of COVID-19 is clear clearly beyond that of COVID itself. So it's important to ensure that the children who need to be seen for care are able to come in and uh, know that we are providing a safe place to come for those who need to be here. Uh, We continue to provide uh, screening at all the entrances of our hospitals and clinics, and masks are required for everyone. As you know, consistent with the county mandates, we will continue to have re- visitor restrictions in place in order to protect our patients, families, providers, and staff. And those policies we anticipate will continue to evolve over time, both as the local epidemiology changes and as our um, county partners, our public health partners, ensure that our uh, visitor policies are in concordance with their guidance and mandates.
1: Scott, one other thing I might add is that there are a number of chronic patients, chronic care patients, who come back to the hospital on some kind of a regular cadence just to be checked. So it might be to be checked for a tracheostomy tube and make sure that's fitting well, or a gastrostomy, a feeding tube in the stomach, make sure that's fitting well. And a lot of those checks actually can be done remotely. And we've, again, had some examples of situations where telehealth actually saves parents very significant travel time to come to the hospital for a regular routine check uh, that can be done safely by telehealth. But as Dr. Lee mentioned, what we don't want to do is have parents feel that care should be delayed. If they're concerned and they think their child needs to be seen, uh, it's perfectly safe to bring them to the hospital or the clinic to be seen, and we encourage that.
0: Absolutely. And you mentioned earlier uh, about the algorithm. So I want to talk about that with Dr. Lee here. So whether it's an algorithm or a decision tree on how to handle patients coming through for urgent and emergent conditions, I think the biggest question for parents is probably, are they allowed to accompany their children? Dr. Lee?
2: Absolutely. So since the beginning of uh, this COVID experience, we have absolutely had algorithms in place to ensure that we safely manage both symptomatic and asymptomatic patients. And as Dr. Lund mentioned, we continue to have separate workflows for those patients in order to cohort or separate um, patients who might be symptomatic from those who are asymptomatic and here for uh, other conditions that uh, require continue and ongoing management. Um, For patients coming through for urgent and emergent conditions, you know, we continue to make sure that we are a place that can serve our uh, children and our pregnant moms. We are And uniquely equipped to handle all cases at all times, even in these uh, difficult circumstances, and we continue to maintain the highest standards for safety. At this time, all of our visitors are screened for COVID-19 symptoms prior to entering any of our uh, facilities, whether it's the ER, our clinics, or the inpatient setting. Um, We've enabled multiple approaches in order to make sure that we continue to provide uh, patient and family-centered care, even during this difficult time. So one nice example is uh, these newer technologies where we have digital tablets that are used for communication with care teams um, outside of the patient rooms if they're in isolation. And those uh, same tablets are used to communicate with family members and to ensure that uh, people can be present on rounds even if they can't physically always be there uh, with their child. We also have visitor uh, policies in place where, although there's only one visitor allowed at a time, we are trying to uh, continue to work uh, with our family centered care group in order to ensure that we again are ensuring the safety and the care of our teams and our patients while also uh, providing the care that's really needed for uh, children to get better. Or, for example, for moms who are delivering to ensure that they have a partner there. Uh, for them, uh, and that we can continue to deliver that care in a safe and effective manner.
0: Yeah, that sounds good, especially, you know, moms-to-be have to have somebody there with them, whether it's dad or grandma, whomever it might be, uh, you just can't imagine going through that by yourself. So there's a lot in the news right now, Dr. Lee, about inflammatory syndrome, associated with COVID-19, and it's appearing in kids, and it's confusing for us parents because we're just not quite sure what it is and what it means. So can you talk a bit about that and what parents need to know?
2: There's a lot that we're continuing to learn about multisystem inflammatory syndrome in children. Uh, What we do know is that it can affect multiple organ systems, such as your heart, lungs, kidney, brain, skin, eyes, GI tract, or blood counts. The early experience from the UK and from uh, New York and from other areas um, has identified this as a uh, condition associated with um, persistently high fevers, oftentimes rash, vomiting, diarrhea, abdominal pain, bloodshot eyes. They don't always have respiratory symptoms that are more classic for a COVID-19 infection. However, they do have evidence of prior infection, uh, whether it be through PCR testing or serology testing, or a known confirmed exposure to COVID. It's not clear yet why some children are getting sick and others don't, uh, but we are collaborating with our professional societies and public health officials to ensure that we are not only providing uh, the best possible care for these patients uh, should they come into Stanford Children's Health, um, but also that we are uh, providing um, up-to-date care and, and, and working with public health officials around Reporting to ensure that we can continue to learn as a community about how to care for these patients. It's interesting um, and a little bit distinct from another syndrome called Kawasaki's disease. What's a little more unusual about MISC is that for Kawasaki's, we tend to see it in younger children, uh, whereas with MISC, we are um, now seeing this in older children and teenagers who were previously healthy.
0: As we begin to wrap up here, Dr. Lund, let's go through this one last time. Let's reiterate and reassure parents that it's safe to get health care, whether it's at the primary care offices or the hospital. If your child needs care, they need to come in, right?
1: That's absolutely correct, Scott. Right from the start, we have been focused on safety. We have been focused, most importantly, on the safety of our patients and our and their families, but also on the safety of our our staff and our uh, frontline providers. Obviously, if our frontline providers were to get sick, we wouldn't have people to take care of pair of the patients. So we've really focused heavily on making sure that we have everything we need to keep patients and healthcare workers safe. We want the hospital to be a safe place for people to be. We want them to feel comfortable that it's safe to come to the hospital. Uh, And that's one of the reasons why all the testing and all the PPE and all the work we've been doing and we continue to monitor is so important. It's really very important that parents don't postpone the necessary care that their children need. As Dr. Lee talked about, vaccinations are really important, even though we're very worried about COVID-19 in the grand scheme of things, believe it or not, measles is a more dangerous disease than COVID is. Uh, And so we have to be sure that children are being vaccinated uh, appropriately. We are still Beginning to see an increase in complexity of some of the diseases that children get because the care has been delivered. So, for example, we seem to be seeing more complex appendicitis than we had been before COVID. And we're relatively convinced that that's because people are reluctant to bring a child with abdominal pain to the hospital. So, we don't want patients to feel that it, the hospital is not a safe place to come. And we encourage them, if they feel the need is there, to be comfortable that they can bring their child here. Uh, And we really want them to know that the hospital and uh, primary care doctor's offices are very safe places to be.
0: That's all really well said. Thank you so much, Dr. Lund. And uh, Dr. Lee, last word to you.
2: We're here to provide care to our patients, and we are a safe environment. And we are here to ensure that uh, we are maintaining and improving the health and welfare of the children and the families in our communities and to work with our partners uh, in the community as well to care for all involved.
0: Thank you both for being on. Uh, Sounds like you guys are really on top of your game. It's going to be an exciting and interesting period of time as things begin to open back up and more and more people start coming back in and, you know, keep up the great work and everybody stay well. For more information on how Stanford Children's Health is resuming care after the state-mandated reduction in services, visit stanfordchildrens.org. And we hope you found this podcast to be helpful and informative. I'm Scott Webb. Thanks for listening and stay well.